this is the Everyday Faith Podcast, where we talk about how you can connect your faith to your everyday life. Welcome back. Today, we want to talk about this concept of five-foot ministry. No, it does not require you to have more than two feet. In fact, it's usually a measure of five feet as in a distance. Because our most effective ministry is when we realize that we can usually influence the things that are within five feet of us. And when we put our focus into that and we do our our due diligence to do ministry to whatever is right in front of us, we become a very effective representative of Jesus and we are able to show God's love to more people than just the the people we are intentionally ministering to, but it becomes an intentional ministering to all those around us. This is such a essential concept for today because we have this issue in the church where the word ministry has become super limited in its scope and its meaning. So a lot of people, when they hear that, oh, I'm in ministry, they think that means I have to be a pastor a missionary or a chaplain or something along those lines. You know, some people might have a broader scope that says, I work at a church, but essentially they think ministry is the same thing as a vocation or a career. And we believe actually that all people are called into ministry. All Christians are called into ministry to share the gospel, to witness to people, to share the love of God. But not everybody is necessarily called to do it as a career, as a job. So, Will, when we talk about five-foot ministry, um, first, do you think you could explain what do you mean when you say five feet? Because obviously you said it's not anything to do with the number of feet that I have, which is too bad because I was really ready to grow three extra feet. I know. So am I. I was I was ready to get extra feet on this one. But, you know, it's one of those things that we we use this as an analogy. We talk about uh, ways that we can really try to visualize things in this idea of five feet. We can usually all grasp what is five feet around us. We can usually stick out our arms and then it's a little farther than that. And those are the people immediately around us that we can talk to, interact with. And that, that's a great place to start. But I would, I would take it a little bit further than just that physical five feet. But it's understanding wherever you have a sphere of influence. And so a, everybody's five feet looks different. What about a cube of influence? Ooh, a cube of influence. You know, however you need to visualize it, I think it's going to work. Just, just keep it, keep it a, a little bit away from you. Give it, give it some space. Because everybody's sphere and or cube of influence is going to look a little bit different. You know, we were talking about earlier how like our influence is to our our listeners. We have influence with them. Not necessarily everybody has a podcast that they've been trying to get off the ground, get going, that has listeners to influence. Most people have people that they see every day. Some people's influence, you know, the, could be a teacher. A teacher has great influence on the people in their class, their coworkers, or your influence could be something like your your coworkers at a regular job. It could be the people that you see when you're checking out at Target, Walmart, Publix, wherever you're you're doing your shopping. But we have influence wherever we go, and that's going to look a little different for everybody. But we all have 
influence and the ability to make a difference. Another way to think of this is as pastors, Will and I each have very different size congregations. I teach about 16 students on average a week. How many kids do you think you have on average in your week? We had at our <clears throat> like kickoff event for the school year, we had 36 students and yeah, you know, we had parents out for that as well. So on any given Sunday for me, my five feet is those 16 kids for Will it's 36. If you were to go to a larger church, like something like elevation, your five feet, if you're pastor Stephen Furtick might be tens of thousands of people. The idea is that it's just about who are the people that are immediately and readily in your influence. And that could look like Will said, it could just be your coworkers. If you have a job where you work with other people, coworkers are there and you can help them. You can love them. You can share the gospel with them. If you have family that lives nearby, family that you're close with, that's part of your sphere of influence. Friends, even like Will said, that guy that you bump into at Target or Publix, maybe it's just a stranger who is in need of help. Maybe it's that guy who's pushing his car out of the road and you can stop and help him get it out. Or maybe it's a homeless person. And the idea is that it's different for everybody. And so we have to be able to recognize where our five feet is to make sure that we're being effective in ministry. Because what happens is when we get caught up in stuff that's beyond our reach, when we go out of our five feet, it's really easy for us to just stop trusting God. We get this idea that, well, I want to reach, you know, say this unreached people group all the way around the world. Even though it's completely out of our capability, we think if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And so we get into this idea of we are necessary for that ministry to happen rather than trusting God is the one who makes ministry happen. So that five feet, it's good to know it so that we stick to the places that God has given us to minister and not just where we want to go. Now, I do want to ask, does that mean then that we just can't do anything big or we shouldn't try and do anything big. I mean, how do you feel then about trying to do something like, let's say, reaching an unreached people group? That's a big job and it's well out of most people's five feet. So how do you do that while sticking to this five foot ministry idea? So with that idea of five feet, you you need to recognize one like how far can I actually reasonably reach? And if I have a big dream like that, like I want to reach this, this unreached people group, that's awesome. We love that. But one, like you mentioned, we want to keep trusting God that God's going to figure out the way to get it there. We might be a part of that process, but if we are, we need to recognize where are we as part of that process. And just a, a quick note too, is we have to recognize, is it our dream or is it God's plan, because it's really easy sometimes to confuse what's our dream, our goal with what's God doing. For sure. I know there's oftentimes that we kind of mask that we're like, oh, no, it's, it's definitely a God dream. And, you know, for there are plenty of God dreams out there, but there are also times that they kind of become convoluted and they become our dreams. And then our dream takes a slight turn and, you know, it's it's not God's dream anymore. Or maybe we just have our own dream of fame and influence and we just want that. And 
you know, that's not necessarily cut out for everybody because if we're going to just disregard the people within our five feet, that's a dangerous place to be. But as we look at, you know, those big dreams, those God dreams that are out there, yes, we want to pursue those, but we also want to think more concrete. Most of those big dreams, you need to get people on board with that. You're not going to do it alone. How do you expend your influence to build to that? Can you use your influence within your five feet to grow and help those people or an organization already in place? Does an organization need to be created to make it out there? It might look so many different ways, but we want to look at small concrete ways that we can actually make a difference in our five feet. And to throw out a whale analogy, if you're going to eat a whale or I've heard it with an elephant, like you don't try to bite it down all at once. You got to take a single bite at a time. And part of it is with time, your five feet is going to change. Your influence will change. And that's part of life and growing. I think a, <laughs> I think a good non-whale way to think about this is let's say your big dream or your goal or a, a better way to put it is let's say your calling is a thousand feet away. It's not that you can't get there. It's not that you shouldn't try. It's just to remember that you have to get there five feet at a time. And when you start your five feet of ministry, it's going to look very different than when you're halfway there and when you're all the way there. You know, using the, I, I like to use the unreached people group as, a, as an analogy for a big ministry because it's one that I think a lot of people think of when they hear mi ministry is missionaries going and reaching the unreached people. But you don't start by just getting on a plane and going to an unreached people group because you have to learn the language first. And as you learn the language, you learn the culture, you make connections, you can witness to different people and do different things along the way. What your capabilities are when you start the process, when you're first learning the language and you're learning the culture is going to be very different than at the end of the process when you are in the culture, when you are in the people group, actively witnessing to them. Well, that also kind of goes back to the idea of we need to earn a right to speak into people's lives. We need to be with them, go through day-to-day -day life with them to really have influence with them. It's just the nature of things. And that's true even, even in the smaller examples. That's a good point. So thinking about maybe your five-foot ministry is your coworkers. But again, the five-foot ministry at first may just look like talking to them at work. You can't just start a new job and just walk up to all your coworkers and say, hey, guys, who wants to hear about Jesus? Come on, let's go to church this Sunday. Unless you work in some kind of ministry place, maybe that's a bit more common. But if you just get a new job at Publix and you start asking all of your coworkers about Jesus and how they feel about him and bringing them to church, while the passion is good, you're kind of reaching beyond your five feet at that point. You don't have that capability to witness in that way. And so that's where kind of a recognition of like, it'll change. Your five feet is going to change over time. But start by sticking with doing what you know you're capable of. Do what God has given you. Just talk to them. Just listen to them. Get to know them first. And eventually, as you build the relationships, your five-foot reach 
might start to include the ability to invite them to church. It might start to include the ability to dig deeper into their lives and, and talk to them about their faith and their understanding of God. Yeah, when I think about that kind of example of uh, you pop in with with some new coworkers, there is a I, I don't watch a lot of streamers, uh, but I do watch a streamer. His title is like Cross to Crown, and he plays like Call of Duty or whatever. And he just asks people like, hey, how do you feel about God? <laughs> but he doesn't just like drop it on them on their, their first game. He, he'll like, you know, play a game with them. Be like, oh, hey, man, you know, you, you were great. You know, can we can we play another round? And he builds a relationship. And then once he finally feels, and he doesn't even ask it like, uh, you believe about Jesus? He's like, hey, so like, what religion are you? Do you, do you consider yourself religious? And, you know, our, our influence, our sphere grows over time. And we use what's right in front of us. And for him, he found his ministry is just, I really love playing, playing Call of Duty. I really like talking to people about Jesus and he has worked on the skills and the social ability to bring that into a normal conversation, which I think is super cool. I think I've, I've seen that effect even in my own life too, where I I've had a lot of conversations with people of different religions over the years. And, you know, there's something about getting to know the person, getting to know their beliefs first before I start just sharing mine so, uh, you know, I've had active practicing Hindu coworkers, for example, and I'll just sit and I'll just listen to them. And, and they tell me about uh, karma and their different meditation practices and things like that. And I don't just sit down and say, well, you know, you shouldn't believe in karma because Jesus. <laughs> I just listen. But what happens is after a while, after they told me about their beliefs, it kind of opens up a space. And all of a sudden I have this reach into their lives where I can say, that's a really interesting take. You know, what I've always believed is, and just kind of start sharing my beliefs, my understandings about God. Um, so yeah, that, that five foot ministry, it's really, I guess the key idea here is knowing what's within your reach. Know where your reach is because it's when we understand the limits of our effective capabilities, that's when we can most effectively minister. And with that, it's recognizing family and friends are an important part of that ministry. Yep. And spouses. That Yep. Spouses. That's that's part of the family. And, you know, kids, we have to make sure we don't forget about them. Because I think so often we, we look to ministry. We again, we're looking for something grand and flashy. Sometimes the best ministry you can have is loving your husband, your wife, your children, your parents in a Christ-like way. Yep, for sure. Now, Will, we've we've talked a, a good deal about this kind of localized ministry stuff, the, the five-foot ministry. And I think where a lot of people struggle with this is that they hear about big ministries, things like people going overseas, things like people starting a huge multinational church, uh, multi-million dollar Christian nonprofit companies. And they hear about all the work that's being done and they think, well, there's not much significance that's happening in these one-on-one -on -one interactions. There's not much of a big deal about just reaching out 
in my five feet because I'm just one guy and my five feet, it may only be five or 10 people. What's the big deal of that? Why does it matter? Uh, what, what would you say to a person who kind of feels that way that maybe their five foot ministry is just not significant? I think that's almost a plague of social media Ooh. where we see like we, we look at and like you said, you we see the ability to reach so many people. We see these people. Heck, we see people go on mission trips. That's great. We love mission trips can be awesome opportunities. But the reality is not everybody gets those opportunities. <clears throat> those those things cost money and just part of the the whole experience. But if you don't think that the people directly around you, like they need the ministry that you can provide, they need the love of Jesus all the same as anybody else out there. And sometimes the most powerful changes don't happen from somebody that enters their life for or their lives, lives for five minutes and talks to them about Jesus. It's the people that are a constant consistent witness of jesus because that's gonna build so much deeper on somebody's ability to come to know christ and just grow as a human being when you actually have investment in their lives and i think that's part of it is we lose this idea of the the mundane almost we want something flashy we don't want the day in and the day out just loving on people but that is so important. And I think Jesus' life shows how important that is because Jesus constantly is trying to just go through life encountering the people that he does. And when he encounters them, he actually pays attention to them. He actually honors them as a human being, talks with them, loves them, calls them to grow more than where they're at, calls them to repent, enters relationship with them, and I think that's something that, like Jesus, of course, he is the son of God. He has this way with words. And there are many times that I look at scripture, I'm like, I don't know how anybody else can just walk into somebody's life and and enter that situation in five minutes and change this person's life. And maybe we do have experiences like that here and there, but our experiences are largely going to be when we spend time with somebody and can enter their life minister to them, love on them, and go through the good and the bad and the ugly. I think it's important to, when we look at Jesus as an example, I think what people see is miracles. And they think, well, I have to do a miracle. I have to, I have to be a part of something big, or maybe not, I have to do a miracle, but I have to be the witness to it. I have to be the, uh, the vessel through which the miracle occurs, what, however we want to word it. But we see miracles in Jesus's ministry and we think that's big stuff. That stuff's a big deal. But when we actually take a time to look at all that Jesus did, short of the crucifixion, which I'll, I'm going to come back and touch on that a little bit because Will actually said something good about that earlier. Um, <laughs> short of the crucifixion, oh. all of Jesus's miracles were local. Jesus didn't start a multi-billion dollar international ministry called Jesus Incorporated or anything like that. All he did was he walked from town to town and he witnessed to the people who were right there. 
Now, sometimes his five feet was 5,000 people. Yes, there was a time when Jesus fed 5,000 people, but it was within his capability to do that. He fed them because they were there. He didn't go out and round up 5,000 people and say, come on, come on, come on, I got to feed as many people as possible so that I can make God happy. God sent him 5,000 people and he knew, I am capable of doing this. And he took that task on. And he but, had compassion. Ooh, he did. That's like most of miracles he performs, the, that word pops up. Like he saw this and he had compassion. And in a, on a contrast to that, uh, most of his miracles, while yes, the 5,000 was pretty fantastic, most of his actions weren't that big in scope. He really worked with just a small handful of people at a time, healing a guy who was blind, maybe 10, uh, healing a deaf person, raising someone from the dead. They're miracles. They're big deals. But at the end of the day, he was not doing it for large, massive groups of people well beyond his reach. He just helped the people who were nearby and in need. Um, and then also I think of the Good Samaritan story. You know, Jesus, he shares a story of the guy who he didn't travel to meet this man on the road who had been beaten and robbed. He was just doing his own thing. He was going about his day to day life and he came across somebody who was in need. And he said, you know what? I can help that guy. So I'm going to. His five feet, you know, before he left on his journey, didn't include this stranger on the side of the road. He didn't need a, a ministry that was devoted to helping every beaten and robbed person that ever existed. He just helped the one that he happened to come across. He saw someone within his five feet, within his reach, and said, that's something I can do. So again, when we think in, in scripture, we hear a lot of big stories. We, we think of miracles and things like that, but even the miracles are mostly done on an individual level. They're just done for the people that are around us. Yeah, and in our modern age, I think a lot of the things Jesus did, he comes into somebody's life, he changes their life radically very quickly, very often with these miracles. And I know... There are just as many miracles that play out in our current society that aren't big and flashy like that on the outside, but that miracle is healing from past hurt. That miracle is somebody walked with me through something. That miracle is that I was filled with rage and somebody put up with me and now I don't have that rage. Sometimes that's the ministry that we can provide. It's just understanding like God can give me grace. I can give you grace. We can walk through this together and not give up on people. No, well, um, kind of the last thing I wanted us to be able to talk about today is on a very practical level, what difference can be made with a five foot ministry. So this is, I guess kind of an opportunity for us to share a little bit of our stories, things that we've been through, but also hopefully that as you guys listen to this, you will see that there is real power in five foot ministry. It's not just a, a catchy corporate jargon kind of phrase. Like this is a real thing. This is a, this is a very powerful way that we can witness to the world by just 
focusing on the people that are around us. You know, we hear so many big stories, but sometimes these small stories are honestly a lot more important and a lot more real because they reflect our real life situation a lot better. So, uh, Will, I don't know if you wanted to kind of take the charge with that, um, pun intended. Uh, you'll see why. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take charge with that and, and lead yeah. this discussion. Oh, I love I love talking about charge. So when I was in, in college doing my undergrad, I got plugged into this program called Charge. Now, Charge sounds super great, super flashy. We were the lowest budget ministry I've ever been a part of because it was a bunch of us college students. It started with one of my, one of the girls that started it. Her name was Kimber, and she literally just went out and said, "I want to make an impact." I just want to interrupt you real quick and say this is actually the lowest budget ministry you've ever been a part of because the budget is zero. So ours was college, so we went into debt to do this ministry. <laughs> But so we we were gathering every Sunday, like I think it was at one o'clock, might have been two o'clock, but we would all go together and we would drive out to this community. And then so Kimber, when she had said, I want to make an impact on this community, I'm here for four years. What can I do? She actually went to like the local sheriff's office and said, what is the worst place? What is the place that needs the love of Jesus? And she came with a list of a couple communities and there was this one uh, right outside of the high school and they literally said like please don't go there you will get hurt and we won't be able to do anything about it and naturally as all crazy people do we say all right that's where we're going and she spent she was a year there before i i had come on and basically all she did was she would go out two o'clock with a team of maybe five or ten other college students Go knock on doors and invite people and their families and say, hey, we are from Southeastern University. We really just want to be a blessing to you. We want to give you guys some opportunity for you guys to hang out and have a good day. And also, we want to take your kids. And there's a church that we partnered with that let us play in their field. And we just brought a bunch of like soccer balls, footballs, everything that we, you know, college students pooling our income to make it happen. And eventually we would do like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, find out that that's some only food these kids were getting on the weekends because their families couldn't afford food. And, you know, like these crazy little things. And we just would show up every week, time in and time out. Bad weather, we don't care. We're going to be there and love on this community. And it was really funny because the first day I was there, it was the second year that it was running. I remember these two kids they, they got in, like, not a big fight, but they, they definitely got in a little bit of a, a minor altercation. Um, and we told them, like, hey, go home, cool off. Uh, and then four years later, I'm senior. I am now one of the, like, directors of charge, which was just a huge blessing to be able to, to help facilitate that. And I have all of my volunteers, these, like, freshmen and sophomores, they're coming to me. And they're like, Will hot dog said he wanted to fight this kid hot and yes we called the kid hot dog great kid love this kid and you know the the other leaders like oh this other kid wants to fight hot dog and i'm sitting there i'm laughing and all my volunteers like why are you laughing like they want to fight i'm like they're not going to i promise you they won't do anything 
and by the time they left they like cooled off talked to each other and they were they were cool they walked away fine uh and we even followed up the following week and we're like you guys good like did did you guys fight like just just be real with us and they're like no like we realized we were just you know hyped up whatever but the reason i was laughing was because i was like yo four years ago when we were here those kids on site they were throwing hands they were at each other but through those four years through our just being consistent loving on these kids they knew it was not the right thing to do to fight they knew to go talk to somebody instead of fighting they were able to process those emotions in a healthy way and not make a stupid decision and it's like man i know that you guys see this as such a a, a short sight because you haven't been here for four years but over those four years we've been able to put these kids within our five feet to spend time with them share the love of jesus with them and they are growing from that they are growing out of the community that every kid was a drug dealer so now most of these kids are like, no, we don't want to be affiliated with these gangs. We want to do something better because there are people here telling us we can do better. We can be great. And that was just trying to be intentional, putting these these kids that were, you know, anywhere from three to I think that our oldest kids were like sixth, seventh grade and putting them within our five feet, using what little influence and resources we had to get out there. And it's, it's worth pointing out, too, that as you look back on and you share this experience with Charge, those kids, that program is no longer within your five feet because no. it's changed. You are in a completely different ministry setting, and that's okay. Yeah, and honestly, that was one of the things I struggled with a lot <clears throat> upon graduation. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff was going on when you graduate college, and... I had been looking at possibly staying in that area. And I was like, all right, if I can stay in this area, I can continue to help out. And it just didn't work out. And I really had to have conversations with God and be like, I really care about these kids. I really want to see them continue to grow and be loved on. And God, like, I, I need to know there's a leader in place. And God's like, no, like, I got this. What you don't see is okay. I'm still working. And they still are doing it or they were still doing it up until COVID. I don't know if COVID really knocked out the program, but you know, it was one of those things God said, your five feet's changing. Somebody else's five feet is moving into this. I got this. I think in my, in my own life, um, <clears throat> I've been in ministry for a lot less time than Will has. So I've got less ministry stories, but I was certainly always involved in like the youth group and stuff like that. And one of the examples that comes to my mind was uh, we got together, we made like sandwich bags and what did they call it? Not, not first aid kits. Um, basically like little Pretty supply bags? kits. Okay. Supply kits. Yeah. Supply kits. Yeah. For, for the homeless people in downtown Tampa. And we went down one night as a youth group and we brought like sandwiches and supply kits and stuff like that. And we just fed some homeless people out there. Wasn't a big, huge ministry or anything like that. It wasn't even something that we got to do a whole lot. But in the time that we did it and the people we met, you could see the difference that it made. You know, some of the people, they would just come, they'd take their sandwiches and their supply kit and they'd leave. And that was it. Some of them they'd share their story with us. And you know, some of the stories were heartbreaking. 
but even that in itself, that, that listening ear, that time that we took to sit and hear these people out who typically are completely ignored by society, it made a huge difference to them. It wasn't huge to like in scope. It wasn't huge in the number of people that we, we reached. It was maybe 30 or so homeless people that we fed a meal for a night and we heard their stories and we shared the gospel with some of them. But man, those people, they were there in our five feet and we reached to them as best as we were able. It doesn't have to be this huge ministry. It was just a couple of people that we had the ability to help and we went out and we did it. Um, and, and I actually, I'm going to kind of take a moment to brag on my wife here a little bit. I like to share her story too, about the example that this five foot ministry idea can make. So when she was younger, she watched the movie priceless, uh, by for King country, which I'll probably add a link to that in the show notes or something like that. Great movie stories about human trafficking and up to that point, she was in high school. She didn't really know anything about human trafficking. And the movie got her curious, so she starts looking at it. And she just felt a real passion about human trafficking victims. And she said, what can I do? Now, at the time, she was just a high school student. Her five feet, especially regarding something like human trafficking, even though she felt God calling her to this big goal of maybe one day starting up a safe house. At the time, she was 16 years old. Her five feet was her school. So she started a human trafficking club at her school and got a bunch of high schoolers on board. I know what you, okay, it, human trafficking it, awareness, human Will. Human trafficking awareness club. Human yes, trafficking awareness club. That makes so much more sense, yes. Human trafficking okay. awareness club. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so she starts up this club to raise awareness about human trafficking at her school and you know, they, they try and share materials with other people, with other students, uh, about how basically all humans are priceless about the inherent worth of people and the, the crime of human trafficking and, and why it's such a big deal that we need to pay attention to it. We need to know what's going on around us. When she started, her five feet was just a few high schoolers. But as she got more involved, as time went on, she met people and she got the opportunity eventually to speak in front of a few hundred people at a conference. And no, she's not like going into houses and pulling people out of human trafficking. But every time they have these awareness events, every time one more person hears about the issue, knows what to look for, it's that many more opportunities to catch traffickers, to help victims get free and things like that. Now she's pushed even further. And now she goes around to a lot of schools. She works with middle and high school students to start even more clubs that uh, raise awareness about drug abuse and mental health and all sorts of different issues. And she's really helping to reach kids that are in need. She hasn't started a safe house yet. She doesn't have a multi-million dollar uh, nonprofit organization. She doesn't even have a, a reach outside of the state. But her five feet has changed over time, and she has always just kind of done what she can to help the people who are available to her. So I, I like to brag on her, and I like to, to share about that just to kind of show that even as a high schooler, even as a 16-year-old, so if we have any of our students listening, even as a 16-year-old, she was able to look at her five feet and say, who can I help? And she reached out to them and she did what she could. 
And that's all we got to do. That's what five foot ministry is. It's a looking at your situation saying, what gifts do I have? What capabilities do I have? Where is God calling me? And on the way to that calling, who am I going to be able to help? Who can I help right here, right now to share the gospel with? So these are just a few examples of what that five foot ministry can look like. And, and you know, like I said, it, it's different for different people. Some people, their five foot really is tens of thousands of people in many countries. But even those people, they didn't get that five feet overnight. You know, their reach starts with just helping the people around them. But the point is that when we think about ministry, it doesn't mean we have to make it a career. It doesn't have to be multi-million dollar international businesses. Sometimes the best ministry that we can do is the stuff that we can do for the people who are five feet in front of us. Thanks again for listening this week. We'd like to give a special thank you to Travis D'Amato for both our theme music and sound editing. If you like either, you can find and contact him at Music 93 on Instagram. That's D-A-M-A-T-O, music 93. Remember to follow us on social media at Everyday Faith Podcast. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to share it. We're always looking for feedback to help us grow, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Faith Podcast.